Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Joyce Barry and Friends, the number one worldwide radio show. The show is outrageous and it's contagious. It will lift your spirits high, you'll feel that you can fly. Transform your attitude, fill it with gratitude. Cut loose and improvise this coaching time today. Joyce is a great coach with an extraordinary approach. Fast on the upbeat, top of the heap. A wild motivator, great simulator. Unstoppable in a humoristic way. Life lessons with passion, joyfully today. You want Joyce as your coach if you want this to be your best year ever. Coach Joyce here. I want this to be your best year ever. I want this to be my best year ever. I want this to be the best year ever for Dr. Bernie Siegel and his family. I want this to be the best year ever for all our friends worldwide. Welcome to Joyce, Barry, and Friends. We are broadcasting live across America and around the world. This is the Hour to Empower with stimulating talk, views you can use, memorable quotes, and powerful life lessons. We always have hot guests and cool topics. We even have cool guests and hot topics. You always want to tune us on, tune in, and tune up with us to hear the best of the best. You do not want to miss any of our shows. Each show goes into our archives. Log into Joyce Barry and Friends.com, Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and you will see each guest and each topic on our homepage. You can play and download any of our shows, always informative, inspiring, and motivational. You want to share these special shows with your friends, family, and contacts. You can follow us on Facebook and become a Joyce Barry subscriber and even a fan by going to our Joyce Barry and Friends fan page. Be sure to check like. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us by going to our Blog Talk Radio homepage and clicking follow right below my picture. You can also message me in any of these venues about our show, about our guests, about anything. My official website is JoyceBarry.com, Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E. The chat room is open. Log into the chat room, have fun, and chat away. I go back and forth into the chat room during the show to see what is going on in there. Motivation, inspiration, and an education. Positive, happy thoughts to improve your life, health, and finances. Take positive actions to create a gratifying lifestyle. Life lessons from me, your host, Joyce Barry, straight from the Coach's Corner, and then you will hear from our wonderful guest today. Folks, every day should be treated like a special day. We wish you the finest of friends, the opulence of opportunities, the magic of miracles, and the happiest of days. May this year be your best year ever. many health challenges on just about every call these days I'm friends clients people everywhere that they're really in fear of what's ahead of them whether it's for themselves personally or for a member in their family uh, with cancer being number one the calls I get heart concerns being number two it's just really so much pervasive all over the world in these health crises and these issues that people are losing their minds really really concerned and in fear 
Franklin Roosevelt said in his first inaugural address that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Today's show with the extraordinary Dr. Bernie Siegel will drive that point home. Dr. Siegel is the author of many awesome best-selling books, including Peace, Love, and Healing and A Book of Miracles. I believe that we are here to contribute love to the planet, each of us in our own way, says Dr. Siegel. Love yourself. Love others and focus on that. Love is significant for healing. Dr. Siegel will talk about how you can heal yourself and inspire you to stay positive and optimistic and have faith that things will work out for the best. Dr. Siegel is known all over the world. The difference he makes on this planet as a healer, as a motivational speaker, Uh, He says also, when your heart speaks to you about what you need to do to sustain life on this planet, listen to it, make a difference, and be an inspiration for generations to come. Be inspired by people like Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Christopher Reeve, Albert Schweitzer, Helen Keller, and many others. I say that today you will be inspired but the one and only Dr. Bernie Siegel. Dr. Siegel, welcome to the show. Thank you. I hope I can live up to your introduction. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because I have to say this in in all honesty, that I try to live what you have just said. And life is difficult. It's not unfair. You know, when I say to an audience, is life fair? Everybody yells, no, no. I say, it must be fair, you're all complaining, and then they laugh. Life is difficult, and who do you learn from? The people who get through the difficulties, you know, who survive them. And by that, you know, I don't mean they're immortal. They're immortal only in the sense of what never dies, and that's the love. I always say to people, you want to live forever, love somebody. That's, you know, will always be with them, though your body can't be. But I've learned that my best teachers are the people I set out to help uh, in the sense of what I call survivor behavior. Because when I would meet patients of mine out, you know, I'm out giving a lecture, look in an audience, and I see somebody I thought was dead. And I go down and I'd say, "What, what are you doing here? What's happened? And they'd say, well, you know, what's the point of going back to the office if nobody's given you any hope. And I don't mean that was me. I never would not give people hope. But, you know, they were seeing other doctors and the messages they got. <clears throat> but then they always had a story about their life and the changes that occurred in their life. And then the gift was they didn't die, you know. And, and they were not doing it again out of fear of dying. They were doing it because... Well, to quote one landscaper uh, who twice said to me, you forgot something. Once when I said to him, you've been living with this ulcer, which they didn't think was malignant, but turned out to be, for months. You need to get right in the hospital and we'll get it out of there. You forgot something. What I forget? It's springtime. Going to go home and make the world beautiful, so when I die, I leave a beautiful world. He shows up weeks later, says, okay, I'm ready. We operate, and I couldn't cure him. So I said to him, you need more treatment. You forgot something. What did I forget? It's still springtime. Going to go home and make the world beautiful, so when I die, I leave a beautiful world. And the point I always make is he was not trying not to die. He wasn't afraid of anything. And he didn't show up in the office again until six years later when a nurse handed me his chart. And I said, he's dead. You know, we haven't seen him in six years. He's dead. And she said, open the door. Uh, Because I thought we must have had two patients with the same name. You know, she picked the wrong chart. And he was sitting there saying, I have a hernia from lifting boulders in my landscape business. Now, he lived to 94. And when his wife died, I know he turned off what I call his switch. And it was okay to go with her. But you'd say, "What, what, what happened? Well, he spent his life making the world beautiful, and loving the world. And I spent time with him. He became my therapist. You know, you'd walk with him, and and the world became a much more beautiful place. Every little flower, uh, 
I, I mean, he got me in, into such a state of mind that I was always collecting things. When I'd go walking, jogging, biking, I would jump off and pull up a flower. You know, you could call it a weed, but I would see a little pretty flower, and I'd bring it home and stick it in the front yard <laughs> because it became too beautiful to go past. And again, it, it's what you're seeing. The world doesn't change, but suddenly you're seeing it through different eyes. And that's what all these people taught me. I mean, and and again, let me quote one lady whose name is Susan. She had alcoholic parents. They told their children to commit suicide. And then the parents committed suicide. And when I first met her, and said to her, well, bring me a picture of yourself as a baby so I can show you you're worth loving. She said, I don't have any pictures of myself as a child. My parents are real estate agents. I can show you our house. Those are her exact words. And the rage in her and the anger was incredible. And I think that was a big part of why she became so sick with what's called an autoimmune disease. You know, she's now attacking herself with all that was stored in her. And um, this quote in, in a letter from maybe 30 or so years ago was, I had no control over the parents who raised me or the circumstances I was exposed to. But when, but when I let love into my prison, it changed every negative item in it, meaning the experiences in my life, and turned them into something meaningful. Now, she has outlived her doctor who told her, all you got is a hope and a prayer. So she used to bring my book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles, under one arm and the Bible under the other whenever she went to see him. So she had a hope and a prayer <laughs> with her. And she drove him nuts, which was a good sign. But again, she's still alive and teaching me. Because again, one her latest quote when we were chatting was that she felt crushed by this disease because of how it has affected her, her whole body. Again, you see that I said to her, yeah, but under pressure, what happens to charcoal? It becomes a diamond. And in a sense, she was living that too, that the pressure, the crushing, were leading to something better. The curse, I always say, becomes a blessing. Like hunger makes you seek food and nourishment, she has sought out nourishment and has and really found faith. Uh, in God, and and knows that she has that support with her all the time, and that she is loved by our Creator. <clears throat> and as I say, she's an incredible person. So again, you know, you talk about the subject of fear. She doesn't live in fear. She may not like things that are happening because of being ill, but fear is not an issue for her. Because, again, love is with her. Our creator is with her. She has faith in her potential and all the things that are available to her. And so she survives and, again, becomes my teacher, too. Because um, the things she puts into words are just so beautiful and simple that they help everybody. And I often send them out, you know, and she emails me uh, different quotes uh, of hers. I will just send them out to people because it helps sustain everybody. Um, let me see, because I think she sent something. Yeah, here's something she sent me today. I am never alone. So you talk about fear. Well, if you've got somebody with you, you're not going to become so fearful. And, and tests show that. I am never alone. Through the good moments and the sad moments, I am in the presence of God whether I can feel it or not. Through the suffering and sickness, God is by my side, whether I can feel it or not. Yeah, and that kind of faith can create amazing things. I mean, I loved, because uh, it must have been written with a sense of humor. You see, again, you talk about fear. What can I get through? The quote from Ernest Holmes was, what if Jesus was the only normal person who ever lived? Now, if you felt you had the same resource that Jesus did and the same abilities, what would you be afraid of? They, nothing. Because you'd have that faith and it would sustain you. And yet I also have to say, as I mentioned to you earlier, that 
you have to understand that fear is necessary uh, to help us survive. Because the, the message I always try to get across to people, if you're walking in the woods, and this happened to me one day, I was going through a, a, a wooded path, and I saw something. I mean, it registered, I know, in my brain. And I thought, hey, that could be a dangerous creature in the woods. And I immediately turned and was going the other way without thinking about it. See, it wasn't a conscious choice. I saw this object, and the next thing I know, I'm going the other way. And I thought, wait a minute, what is it? And I stopped and turned around again and looked. And it was a bunch of like branches and shadows that made it look like a predator. And I thought, oh, it's nothing. I can go. But it really fascinated me as a physician to think how fear was working at saving my life. It had me turn and going the other way before I even knew what was in the path. And so I always say, if you're walking through the woods and you see a poisonous snake, yeah, you want to turn and get the hell out of there fast. But if every tree branch on the ground reminds you of a snake, it's self-destructive. Because when you're living in fear, what your body does is shunt blood, turn on parts of your brain that are to protect you. So you can run faster, uh, you know, jump higher, climb, do things that normally you would have had a lot of trouble doing. But it's because your body and brain are turned on to how to save your life and protect you. You know, like if a bear is chasing you, uh, you go up a tree <laughs> and the bear can't reach you, that kind of thing. But what is happening to your immune function during that? It's depressed and turned off while your stress hormone levels are all turned on to get you, you know, active and moving and protecting yourself. So the things that sustain your life get turned off while the things that protect you in the moment get turned on. So if you live in that stressful state, then you are more vulnerable to all kinds of illnesses and problems. And they always say, think, you know, Monday morning, we have more heart attacks, strokes, suicides, and illnesses because people are living in that stressful state. And I may say, if you want to change that, then you have to act and behave as if you're the person you want to be. Like you mentioned in the introduction, let your heart make up your mind. Stop thinking and being fearful. A lawyer said, and they always say being a lawyer is an illness. A, law, a lawyer said, I came to a conclusion that was eminently reasonable, totally logical, and completely wrong. Because while learning to think, I almost forgot how to feel. When you put actors on a stage, and this was done as a study by a student, and give them a comedy to perform and draw their blood. Give them a tragedy to perform and draw their blood. While they're acting in a comedy, and remember, they're only acting, so this impressed me, their immune function increases, their stress hormone levels go down. When they are performing a tragedy, the immune function goes down, stress hormone levels go up. So, again, you can see how living in fear is destructive, whereas having a sense of humor, being grateful, uh, not being afraid of what life is going to present you with, you know, having faith in yourself, being thankful, those are things that are life-enhancing and uh, relate to what I call, again, the survivor behavior. Because I know innumerable people who were told they had a few months to live. And they didn't, I mean, some people go home, crawl into bed and die in a week. They, they, they lose all hope. But these are people who said, okay, then let me enjoy the last few months of my life. And that could be not wearing a tie, buying a house on the ocean, moving to the mountains of Colorado, getting a dog and putting in a wildlife habitat. And these are true stories. I don't make any of these up. Um, and none of those people I just mentioned died in a few months. <laughs> I'm laughing because I called up one family to ask why I wasn't invited to the funeral, and the man um, who was supposed <laughs> to die answered the phone. And he said it was so beautiful here, I forgot to die. 
And and the other, <laughs> the lady good. who got a dog and did a whole bunch of other stuff sent me a letter looking for my help. She said, I didn't die, and now I'm so busy, I'm killing myself. Help, where do I go from here? So again, you know, when you devote your life to the things you love, then fear can't exist either because of how you feel that day. I mean, I learned a lot from concentration camp survivors too um, when I first started doing this work because I was looking for advice, like all the quotes you gave at the beginning, you know, from survivors. How did they manage in life-threatening situations? And uh, even articles by physicians who found that when they expected their community to all die when they were thrown into a concentration camp. I mean, he was talking about his patients with heart disease, diabetes, all kinds of problems. He couldn't believe how well they did. And he realized it was their choice because they were told, if you can't work, we don't feed you or we put a bullet through your head. Um, And the people who wanted to survive found ways to function and he he couldn't believe it because he had no way of helping them or treating them but it's what their mind then said to their body so when you choose again to love your life and your body amazing things happen but if you get up think of this difference you get up in the morning and all the things that are your burden what do i have to do what could go wrong today what could happen I mean, (laughs) I'm laughing again because we're having a new roof put on our house, a new fence in the front yard to help keep all our pets in. And, you know, nobody shows up. And, I, you know, I can be, oh, my God, what's going on? Why aren't they here to finish the job? You know, have to keep all the animals locked in. And so, yeah, I can look at all the things, including our furnace that died this year and a million other things. But... If I get up every day with that feeling, then think about getting up with a feeling of gratitude. I know a man who came close to dying twice. He says if he wakes up in the morning, he's a winner. Um, And so, again, get up. What am I grateful for? And I work at that. I say some mantras and things of this sort. And one thing I would recommend to everybody, if you're dealing with fear, see, how do you switch your mind out of, What's going to go wrong today? What are my problems versus what am I grateful for? And what I like to tell people to do is the first day of the month, you take the letter A and think of three things you're grateful for. The last, on the 26th, you use the letter Z. You go through the whole alphabet. And then I always say you got a few days off at the end of the month to take a rest. But what is the key to it? You wake up on the first of the month and you say, okay, what three things that begin with the letter A am I grateful for? And I don't care what you come up with. You could say Alabama, Arizona, um, apples. Okay. But here's the problem. The next month, you can't use those three words. So what I found was, because I heard a psychologist said he did this with patients, so I started doing it. I test everything. And what I found was, of course, after a couple of months, you're having a hard time thinking of what you're grateful for that begins with the letter A. But that's where I got a kick out of it. I realized, hey, Bernie, you're spending a lot of time thinking about what am I grateful for? And it was such a wonderful feeling as to why that technique worked. Because then I'm walking the dogs thinking, what am I grateful for that begins with the letter A? Um, and and I'm laughing, thinking, yeah, you're not walking around thinking, what am I bothered by? What am I troubled with? What do I have to do today? It's what am I grateful for became my struggle, and it's such a better feeling. And the other is to laugh, and I mean that literally. You're in a fearful situation, laugh for no reason. And what happens? You feel better. All the people around you feel better. I always remember a story uh, a lot of times I tell tell it as if it really happened to me. You know, I'm going through this zoo uh, out in the Midwest where there are big open areas and the animals are out roving around. You know, they're fenced in, but you're there looking at them and near to them. And somehow I must have crossed, you know, 
the fence line, um, and I suddenly see a tiger coming towards me, and I saw an edge of the uh, like a little cliff there. So I grabbed hold of a vine and climbed down to get away from it. And I thought, wow, that's okay. I'm safe now. I'll climb down and then I'll get out. And I'm climbing down and I hear a roar beneath me. And I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? See, and that's where it's again, I'm I'm fearful of what happened yesterday. See, I'm worried about tomorrow. You mentioned this earlier. What's the best day of your life? What's the best year of your life? Today, this year. I love asking that of people. What's the best day of your life? And they say, oh, when, you know, I had my child or I got a new job. And somebody else yells, no, it's today. So here's a tiger above in the future, a tiger in the past below. What do I do? I noticed that the vine was a grapevine. So I took a bite of one of the grapes and it was delicious. See, now you're back in the moment. You're enjoying the grapes. Not worried about yesterday and today. And and I again, there's a country western song. Yesterday is dead and gone. Tomorrow's out of sight. Help me make it through the night. And don't be afraid to ask for help. That's also survivor behavior. Ask friends and family for favors and help when you need it. And if they can want to say no, that's all right. That's their option. Just as you have a right to say no too, uh, if you don't want to do something. But don't be afraid to ask, and that'll get you through. And realize this, too, because it always occurs to me that we don't have anything new to fear. You know, somebody else has already been through it. So talk to survivors. Talk to what I call um, the natives. They've lived what you're afraid of. Don't talk to the tourists. You know, it's why doctors can be a problem. They haven't had the disease. They haven't lived it. So, you know, what they tell you is not coming from their personal wisdom. It's coming from what was in a book or somebody told them. But talk to people who have lived the experience and they'll help you to get through it and show you that you can. Dr. Siegel, were you personally in any life-threatening situation? Oh, a few times. <laughs> yeah, I had thought that. And Why am I laughing? Well, let me say it. One thing that happened to me that is so embedded in my mind, uh, it, it like it happened yesterday. When I was four years old, there were carpenters working in our house. And in those days, you didn't have all the automatic tools. So they would put five or six nails in their mouth, you know, sticking out through their lips. And then they'd yes, pull them out and hammer them in. I imitated them. I was home in bed uh, with an ear infection, so I'm still in bed with a toy telephone, and I unscrewed the dial and put the pieces in my mouth, and then I aspirated them and was choking to death. About how old were you at the time? Four years old. Four years old. Oh, four. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, and I left my body. I had a near-death experience, and... uh, and, you know, again, I always think the first words out of my mouth when I didn't die were, who did that? Because the experience is incredible. You're four years old. You know what I mean? It's like you're floating up out of your body. You're watching the body dying. Um, but I thought, this is incredible, thrilling, wonderful. Uh, I had a sense of a god, you know, who worked all this out. Um, but I thought, gee, this is wonderful. I'd rather be dead and out of my body than in it. And uh-huh. as most children will tell you, I felt bad that my parents would find me dead, but my choice was, okay, I prefer to be dead. And that's why I say when I didn't die, the first words out of my mouth were, who did that? And it gave me a feeling, well, there must be a God, somebody else in charge of the schedule, not me. Um, and... You know, that experience has always stayed with me, so I don't fear dying. I don't fear leaving my body. And there are many books written now about it, you know, people who are blind, who see when they leave their body. And I've had some of my patients have incredible experiences and share them, you know, that when they almost died and were resuscitated, 
and what they were able to see and experience and knew about what was happening. Even when their family said, oh, you're crazy. And they said, oh, yeah. And then they would tell them exactly what went on, what they're wearing, where they you know, were when the uh, tragedy occurred. So that was one aspect. And another had to do with um, a past life when a friend said to me over the phone, why are you living this life? And I went into a trance and had an experience which made me feel that due to that past life experience in which I did a lot of destruction with a sword, I won't go into detail because it's too emotional, but that I am a surgeon today to help people with a knife, see, with a sword. And uh, I, I felt it was part of why I've always been rescuing all kinds of creatures my whole life, meaning a house full of pets, and I always say our house was a zoo um, when the kids were here to help me. And we were always rescuing all kinds of creatures and people giving them to us and veterinarians giving them to us because they knew we would take them in and they would become family and be taken care of. So I think all these things are a part of what's within us. And it could even be why I'm afraid of something in this life because of what my consciousness is aware of from a past life. And I use that term consciousness, that it's not me living many times, but it's me being aware of the consciousness of somebody whose life preceded mine. So I always say when you see a five-year-old, which I did the other day on television, playing a violin with a concert orchestra, I mean, you can't tell me that that kid was given violin lessons and that's why that little boy is so good at it. I mean, there's got to be something in that child before it ever met the violin um, that allowed it to accomplish that. So I think many of our talents and our fears and problems come from this previous consciousness. And we need to overcome it. We do have intellect. You know, we can decide what we want to visualize and see. So when you visualize what you want, then your body believes what you're visualizing and you change. And let me give you an example. I mean, related to medical treatments, you know, people fear chemotherapy, surgery, radiation, dealing with cancer. Um, and they'll draw the devil giving me poison. They'll draw themselves lying on a, you know, on a table in an empty black box, which is, they say, is the operating room, or radiation is a monster. Um, yeah, they'll have side effects of the treatment even if you didn't give them the treatment. In other words, when they thought they were getting it, they would have the side effects because of what they're picturing in their mind. And when they do get the treatment, they have more adverse side effects than the people who see it as it's a gift from God. They, it's going to save my life. Um, love. Excuse me, Dr. Siegel. I just want to say something about that. I am a cancer survivor twice. And I have been through radiation therapy. And I just want to share, uh, I want to make a difference to our listeners. Anyone in fear of that, I am doing a whole show about that this Wednesday, June 10th, about radiation therapy and um, that it was a, a, a very, it was a good experience for me because I felt I was being healed. So on our show this Wednesday, June 10th, uh, any of you that are going, going to be going through that, have gone through that, know people, it's a show that you don't want to miss. Uh, it's going to be very healing, and it will give you a thorough understanding. I also want to say at this moment that not just, you know, shows like we have the extraordinary Dr. Siegel with us today. I'm doing that show on Wednesday to make a difference uh, in that regard to dealing with cancer. But every day we give you shows that are designed to impact your life. And here, in the words of Beverly Nadler, is why you should be listening. Listen to me. I have something to say about a wonderful way to start your day. A way to stimulate your mind and increase your energy. Make you feel so good. And guess what? It's free. Weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, hear the Joyce, Barry, and Friends show. You'll find it on the Internet on Blog Talk Radio. 
This show is upbeat and fun and very inspirational. It's informative, educational, and very motivational. There's the Coach's Corner, great quotes and news. There are suggestions, perspectives, and advice you can use to enhance your life and improve your health, plus clever, simple ways to increase your wealth. Joyce's perceptions and personality will keep you captivated, and her guests from many walks of life will always keep you fascinated. When Joyce and her friends speak, it's like you're in the conversation. This is part of what makes her show so unique, really a sensation. For Joyce's friends are not only the guests you're listening to, they're everyone who is tuning in. Yes, I do mean you. So refer your friends and family. They'll be so pleased to know. And let's make Joyce, Barry, and Friends the number one Internet radio show. And, folks, you can partner up with us in having that happen. Simply go to Joyce Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and friends.com. And on the home page, right uh, on the upper left is my picture, and right under that it says follow. And if you click on follow, you will know about every show, every guest, every topic. And for those of you who cannot listen at 11 a.m. Eastern when we are live, just know that all our shows are archived and you can listen 24-7 any day, any time. Before I bring Dr. Siegel back on, I just want to share a few of my favorite quotes of Dr. Siegel's. When you are happy with your life the way it is now, the whole world belongs to you. Open your mind to all possibilities and believe. Hoping means seeing that the outcome you want is possible and then working for it. By disregarding intuition in favor of science or science in favor of instincts, we limit ourselves. Miracles and angels are a part of our lives, so anticipate them and tune in through your quiet mind. Life, love transcends time, space, and death. In order to effectively battle illness, we must get in touch with our inner selves and work toward the goal of survival by using everything available to us, seen and unseen. And finally, I believe that we are here to contribute love to this planet, each of us, in our own way. Those are my favorite Dr. Bernie Siegel quotes. Over to you, Dr. Siegel. Okay. Let me come back to some examples that, um, you know, again, how your hope, your love shift things. A lady who is consistently getting sick after chemotherapy, vomiting all the way home. So her husband has a bunch of bags in the car, and when she'd get sick, he'd hand her a bag to throw up in. She came to our support group meeting one day with a big smile. I said, what happened? He said, I got in the car the other day. I'm about to throw up. My husband hands me a bag. I open it. There are a dozen roses for my husband in it. I never vomited again. Oh, my God. That's they, awesome. Then there's a young man who's being driven home after radiation. Father stops at a red light, he throws up. Father says, what's the matter? The light turned red. And when I'm getting treated, a red light goes on so people don't come into the room and get exposed to radiation. Uh So every time he sees a red light, he throws up. Now, the other side of the coin, due to an error in repairing a radiation therapy machine, no radioactive material was put back in it. But the radiation therapist did not realize it for one month when he did his routine inspection and realized he hadn't treated anybody. Why didn't he know he wasn't treating anybody? Because tumors were shrinking and people were having side effects of what they thought they were getting, radiation. And believe me, this has happened with chemotherapy and other things too. I mean, both negative and positive effects. You get a treatment, your hair falls out. And they weren't even giving you the chemotherapy due to an error. Nobody put the drug in the solution. Now, I also know people who have visual problems who have said to their family, get me my medication for nausea. And the daughter ran off, got it, brings it to her, gives it to her. Mommy's fine. Five or six hours later, mommy says, you know, I'm feeling sick again. 
daughter brings her a pill, and mommy says, what are you doing? Why are you giving me this? Well, I gave it to you last time, and it worked. This time, the mother had her glasses on, and the daughter was handing her an anticoagulant, which had a C on it, Coumadin, thinking it was Compazine, say, for nausea. Now, the anticoagulant cured her nausea. Why? Because she believed in it. And that's why it's so important for people and why I do so much work with drawings and dreams to know, again, their intuitive wisdom. You know, as I said before, when you draw the devil giving you poison, you are in big trouble. But how do you change that? By visualizing, see, God bringing you a beautiful golden, you know, therapy in an intravenous bottle or or in some drawings god is the x-ray machine and a beautiful purple beam is coming out you know it's not a monster about to devour you <clears throat> so you can reprogram yourself and that includes here's a good one too on fear <clears throat> um when i was a young man i was out on vacation walking around in the wilds And I saw a cave, and I walked into it, and I saw this gorgeous pearl just sitting there on the floor. I thought it must be worth a fortune. I'm going to take it home, you know, show it to my parents. And I started walking towards it, and I heard this roar. And I thought, oh, my God, there's some kind of monster, you know, big animal here in the cave. I can't risk it. And I ran away. Years later, as an adult, we were camping again in that area. I thought, I'm going to go take a peek. And I went into the cave, and there was the pearl. And as I walked towards it, I noticed a little lizard sitting there. And so I picked up the pearl and took it home with me. Now, what made the monster into a lizard? Me, see? My fears, my view. And when I change my view and stop being afraid, then it's not a monster anymore. It's something I can handle. So keep visualizing what you're fearful of with a positive result. And if it's something like a medical treatment, yeah, see yourself going to the hospital, having surgery, waking up, being hungry, feeling fine, and going home. And nurses used to say to me at the hospital, your patients are refusing medication for pain. I said, did it ever occur to you they're not hurting? They looked at me like I was nuts. You know, you do major surgery and people will say, yeah, I'm a little sore. I mean, (laughs) I'm laughing again because I've operated on people and had them at my evening lecture, which I would have told them not to do. But, you know, I said to one woman, what are you doing here? Because I had operated on her that day. She said, the nurses said, I'm one of your crazy patients. So they put all the tubes under my dress and said, I can go. Um, and I had to laugh because, see, the nurses were changed by the experience. They realized that some of these people don't have pain, are doing well. Uh, it's, again, how did they feel about who was caring for them and the treatment they're going through? And it's not just medical. I mean, it's you can say, hey, i got to ask my boss for a raise, or I want to ask somebody, you know, my girlfriend to marry me. Um, yeah, if you see it in fear they'll get a totally different sense of consciousness from you and you're less likely to have them agree with you and give you what you desire. But if you go in with a sense of love and that it's not a monster, it's a little lizard, you're not afraid to go in and ask. What's the worst thing that happened? They say no. But again, you see, if you fear the no, how do you know the no isn't the best thing that'll happen to you? See? You can be asking for a job and not get it and then three days later get a better job and glad that you didn't get the first one the way my mother used to put it is god is redirecting you something good will come of this no matter what problem i had i always got that crazy answer and as a kid i mean i didn't appreciate it for a long time because I was asking for help <laughs> from my mother, and it was like, Ma, don't you care? All she would say is, God is redirecting you. Something good will come of this, and she'd get back to the kitchen to do something. And I used to sit there thinking, all right, God, you want to give me some advice? But um, 
I realized what she was telling me in her way was, you don't know the future. How do you know that something good won't come of this? You know, that it's redirecting you. What I call a spiritual flat tire. I always say to people, again, you get a flat tire. Oh, my God, I'm afraid I'm going to miss my plane and all these things are going to happen. And, you know, I won't. And then you get to the airport and you found out the plane you missed crashed. They think about 9-11. How many people didn't get to work on time because they were taking their kid to school, had to go pick up something somewhere, and it saved their life. They weren't late for work. It saved their life because something came up. And to just keep thinking that way. And, uh, you know, it's like for me sometimes a sign. You know, you, when you're going somewhere and all the lights are green, or I always look for pennies because they say liberty and in God we trust. And uh, and there are angels around. Uh, you know, when I mentioned almost choking to death, yeah, my car has been totaled three times by people going through red lights and stop signs. And I have always, in one case, before seatbelts, the door popped open and I was thrown out in the street. But every time I got up and I walked away fine. And um, one day, a ladder broke as I was climbing off our roof. The top rung snapped. It was an old wooden ladder. And I fell off the roof of our house and landed on my feet, which I have no explanation for. And I mentioned this once when I was lecturing, and I said, I must have an angel, because there's no way you can explain my being put on the ground on my feet. I have to say, I fell over when I landed and did give my head a, a knock. But again, you know, I didn't go to the hospital or and it was nothing serious. Um, and a man came up after the lecture and he says, you do have an angel. And I know his name. I said, really? What's his name? What did you say when the ladder broke? I said, oh, shit. He said, that's your angel's name. Now, again, that guy has done me more good therapeutically because I've had more accidents since, you know, skidding on ice on one of my bikes, other things happening, and what do I yell? Oh, shit. And then I'm laughing. I I have flying through the air laughing. When I hit the ground, I'm perfectly relaxed and not injured. Um, and I thank that man for having said that to me. However, in a meditation, I met a gentleman who said his name is George. He was dressed in a way that I thought was a little strange, uh, from a cap on his head to robes and things, and a big beard. And But he said his name is George, and uh, that he's my inner guide and helping me. Uh, Bernie, I, and I, let me say I, I this. Wanna, Wait a minute. Just, let let me ahead. just conclude with this. Two I'm people sorry, have come up to me at the end of my lectures and said, there's a man standing next to you, so I drew his picture for you. One said, are you Jewish? I said, why? There's a rabbi standing next to you, so I drew his picture for you. And they both have drawn George's picture. So I know that we have guidance. I mean it literally. Um, and I've heard voices, too, directing me and telling me to do things at times. And... Uh, you know, these may all sound like I'm psychotic and should take my medicine, but they have happened to me. And I think it's when your mind is quiet, see, the still pond, then the true reflections come to you. But when, again, you're full of fear and what's going to happen, you're never going to connect, even like Susan I mentioned. When you don't have that faith and that quiet mind, you're never going to connect with the source. I couldn't help interrupting when you talked about your inner guides because I have an outer guide that is very near and dear to my heart, and he's on the line now calling in here because he's a big fan of yours, and that's psychic Peter Marks. Go ahead, Peter. Yes, Joyce, I was calling to thank you for a wonderful program, Dr. Uh, I am I'm fascinated by listening to your radio show and the stories that you've told about your experiences in your medical practice and it is so wonderful 
to hear this information that you're disseminating to the public. I also wanted to find out from you, because I've experienced this myself in my practice, that many people that come down with life-threatening illnesses or cancer, after they are supposedly in remission, have told me that they were very grateful for having cancer or Parkinson's, whatever, because it's opened their eyes and given them an epiphany. Uh, Have you experienced this? Yes. A way that I have this happen is by saying to people, how would you describe your experience of illness? Now, for some, I mean, they come up with very negative words, you know, uh, fear, confusion, failure. But then there's a group like you're describing who say gift, wake-up call, blessing, new beginning. Because when they realize they are mortal, uh, they wake up to the truth about life and start living their authentic life. And that's the sad part, you know, that people, what I say, need permission, you know, because of how they've been brought up and parenting and all the authority figures and religions and that have negative effects too on people. But when they can let go of that and... Um, become authentic yes that's why i use the term the curse becomes a blessing and uh, they'll say it's one of the best things that ever happened to me because it rebirths them you know i sometimes call it a labor pain and then they give birth to themselves it's all worthwhile and it hurts a hell of a lot less too because of what you're accomplishing and doing because of it and i may add that you know one of the things uh, mentioning you're a psychic. I mean, I had a patient who was a psychic. I didn't know it until she came in and said, now that I know you're not a normal doctor, I have messages for you. <laughs> and she brought me messages from dead patients and with their names, so I knew who she was talking about and the way they spoke. When my parents died, she brought me messages from them and uh, my friend Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who had died. And I mean, it was incredible. So I... I I'm a believer because of what I experience. And that's what I'd say to everybody listening to this program. If you experience something, believe in it. You don't need to explain it, but believe in it. It's real. And, um, you know, and even my uh, animal intuitive friend, Amelia, uh, I mean, she has told me where to find lost pets when she's halfway around the world teaching others and doing classes. And I'm in Connecticut, and I'll tell her that, you know, a pet disappeared, and she'll describe exactly where the animal is and I have gone and found it right away you know and um, she said I can see through its eyes I know the animal's alive even when I've thought they're missing and they're dead in the woods or something Um, so again but you see the common theme I learned from her too was Bernie if you're running around screaming your pet's name it doesn't work quiet your mind see we're back to the still pond And I've learned when I quiet my mind, I get into the animal's mind. I know where they are. I can talk to them. And it doesn't mean they always listen to me if I'm worrying, where are you, what's happening. But they do respond, and I know that, and it's amazing, you know. Peter, did you want to say anything else? I just want to say that, again, I I love the program. Uh, I couldn't relate to a lot of the things that Dr. Siegel is talking about. And I decided uh, I actually canceled the reading because I wanted to listen to the program. So I need a little water there. But I wanted to thank you again for your wisdom, Dr. Siegel, and for your your wonderful wisdom and for having this show, Joyce. Thank you. I thank you for being a loyal friend and a wonderful uh, loyal listener as well. But the good news for future reference, you don't ever have to cancel any of your plans. You can hear all our shows in archives, but you can't talk to the archives. They won't talk back to you. So Absolutely. You. <laughs> You're thank quite you. welcome. And I look forward to other programs with Dr. Siegel. Let me mention one more thing before you go that I found, too, for people going into the hospital for surgery, that by talking to people who were anesthetized, they heard you, that we hear when we're obviously sleeping under anesthesia or in a coma. So I learned to talk to people 
because again, I, I there was no intellect to block me. So I could talk to them, give them positive messages about healing and everything else, and they would wake up in a totally different state than patients who entered, you know, surgery fearful or heard doctors say, oh, this is the worst case I've ever seen. Uh, you know, if they leave here, they'll leave feet first. But I've seen that by giving them those positive messages, it gets through and has a profound effect on them. Yeah, so you're saying that it, it is a healing for them. It's a form Absolutely. of healing. Even the laying on of hands. I've been healed by healers. Um, and the energy that they conduct, that you can feel in their you know, warmth of their hands is amazing. Um, yes. And people have written books about it, too, curing cancer with energy. Um, and it's been done in mice. I always say the mice didn't believe in this person. So it's not a placebo effect, um, but it was done. And uh, those are the things that impressed me, that when we visualize the health and our state, you know, and not fear and live in that fear, uh, we put ourselves in a totally different trance state, which can heal us rather than kill us. Well, I'm experiencing myself uh, in the past couple of months because of what uh, is happening with society and the government, many of my clients are coming in very stressful states of anxiety and fear, and now they're talking about it manifesting in different physical uh, forms of uh, psychosomatic and uh, illnesses and not knowing what panacea to use. And I actually talk about your books, I talk about you, and I recommend you to my clients, and they will come back and say, Peter, I feel so much better. So you are doing an amazing job with the public. Well, thank you. Yeah, we all need to find life coaches is what I tell people. Find a coach. See, you can be, in a sense, critical of your clients, but you're yeah. critical like a coach. You're telling them how to be better. And the other is I tell people to become a love warrior, that <laughs> what's your weapon? Love, you know, and you drive people crazy by loving them. Um, you know, when they are abusive, say, I love you, and they don't know what to do with you then. And it, it does have an effect, and I've seen that happen. And, Peter, I want to thank you for calling in. We only have a few minutes left. But All if right. you want to hear, thank you so much, Peter. And, folks, if you want to hear the wise words of uh, Dr. Siegel about getting a life coach, well, yours truly, Joyce Barry, I am a life coach. I've been that for decades. So uh, feel free to send me an email at coachjoyceaol.com. I'll give you a totally free consultation about what it's like working with a coach, no obligation, no pressure. Uh, we can have that conversation. So do send me an email with your name, phone number, best time to reach you. In the subject line, put Dr. Siegel so I'll know the show that you heard that prompted you to write to me. And as I said, totally free, no charge, and and as someone uh, explained the definition of insanity on one of our shows, uh, a, a client said, insanity is being offered a free consultation with Joyce and not taking advantage of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you might want to do that. Uh, Dr. Siegel, uh, I'm going to give you the final words, but uh, your website, Bernie Siegel, S-I-E-G-E-L-M-D, Dot com. Is that the one you want us to direct people yes, to? They can or do you have another to... one as well? No, that's good to go to because they can, you know, order books, CDs, read many of my articles, and communicate with me all through that. Bernie Siegel, S I E G E L M D dot com. And what would right. you like to say in closing, Dr. Siegel? Oh, I'd say, you know, I talk so much that I'm, when I'm being interviewed, people say, Bernie, we're running out of time. And I say, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're all going to run out of time someday, so enjoy your lifetime. Spend it well. And we're very grateful to you for being our guest. Um, I, I just know that I'll be calling you on you a lot more. We love having <laughs> you on the show. And these Thank are you, my Jeff. final words, my prayer for all of you. Make this the last day, the very last day of your struggles, your suffering, your ill health, your misfortunes, your problems, your pain, your worries, your troubles, your trials and tribulations. May this be the first day. It is the first day of the rest 
rest of your life. May it be the beginning of the very best of your life with extraordinary wishes granted and dreams coming true. Make it the most meaningful year of making more money, good health, good luck, good fortune, attracting special people and opportunities, creating magical memories and manifesting marvelous miracles. And folks, I truly believe in miracles. They're all around you. They're all around me. They're right there. If only you believe in them, have faith they will come your way and be open to receiving them. Here is our closing song about miracles about life. I was listening to Blog Talk Radio when my ears heard something that I did know. From the speakers of my laptop, I heard a voice. It was the White Oprah, also known as Joyce. He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. Joyce Barry mash. She is a coaching smash. He did the mash. You'll catch on in a flash. He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. I felt so inspired by her show, and her poetry was just so good, you know. I want to listen to Joyce again and again, as Joyce would say, if not now, when? He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. Joyce Barry mash. She is a coaching smash. He did the mash. You'll catch on in a flash. He did the mash. The Joyce Barry Mash Joyce knows all about having fun She's a home business wizard and she's just begun She's a coaching sensation for not just me or you or her It's for everyone You can mash Do the Joyce Barry Mash Joyce Barry Mash She's a home business smash Then you can mash You'll catch on in a flash Then you can mash do the Joyce Barry mash. <laughs> Have a fantastic day and listen to Joyce Barry and friends. <laughs>